What's up, guys? Welcome to Demo with Mo. I'm your host, Monique Simmons. We'll be discussing dating, engaged, and married objectives from a young Christian's perspective. Are you guys ready? Let's dive in. following me for any amount of time you know that I have a private group on Facebook I encourage you stop what you're doing right now if you're not already head over to Facebook and join us at dating engaged and married objectives all you have to do is answer the questions and you will be automatically approved to join the group you don't have to wait on me just answer those questions and it'll automatically approve you into the group after you've done that Head on over back over to the podcast. (laughs) But for the whole month of September, September is Sexual Health Awareness Month. And something I wanted to do in the group was focus all of our topics, discussions, questions, everything that we kind of discussed for that whole month of September around sex. So all of the things we did, all of the things we discussed, all of the things we talked about was around sex because I know... A lot of people get uncomfortable, especially in the church, because if you've been following my podcast for any amount of time, you know that this podcast is a relationship podcast from a young Christian perspective. I am a Christian woman. Most of the things that I talk about are always going to come from a Christian perspective. And a lot of times in a church, especially for a lot of us who were raised in a church, came from a church, grew up in a church, we talk about everything. But a lot of times we don't talk about sex. Or when we do talk about sex in the church, it's usually a negative connotation around sex. Don't have sex until you're married. And then the other conversation is once you get married, now you have sex and then now the light bulb switch is supposed to come on. So today's episode is going to dive a little deeper into this conversation. So I wanted to kind of take the stigma off of Christians just haven't been able to be comfortable and confident of being able to have the conversation about sex because God created sex. Sex is a beautiful thing. Say it with me. Sex is a beautiful thing. And I know some of you are on the other end of this conversation and you're probably getting uncomfortable right now. Some of you may be sweating. Some of you may be clutching your pearls. Some of you may be squirming in your seats. As I speak, but sex is a beautiful thing. and We really have to get to a place, especially in a church, where we can get comfortable in our conversations when it comes to sex. So for the whole month of September, that's what I wanted to focus on. And as we close out the month of September, I did a live and the live was titled, Let's Talk About Sex. And there were so many people asking questions 
And what I did was I just spearheaded the conversation, but it was open for the group to talk about whatever they wanted to talk about, to ask whatever they wanted to ask, but it's only so much you can discuss in one hour. So I, so I pondered on it and I thought about it and I'm like, how can we talk about this more on a broader scale? Because I'm talking about it in the group. My husband and I are over the couples ministry and people have these questions there and I have friends and family and they're talking about it and they have questions about it and I'm listening to podcasts and uh, I'm hearing other people have questions about it and they're talking about it. So this is a common concern. This is a common topic. It's just not, this not just me. This is not only affecting me. This is not only affecting the people that I care about, but this is on a much broader on a much broader scale. So this is something that definitely needs to be talked about more, especially in the church, especially from Christians and among Christians and among believers. So I had someone reach out to me about doing a podcast episode and I listened to a few of their podcast episodes and one of their more recent episodes was about sex. How sway. I said, God, you always have an amazing way of putting pieces together. You are so amazing at what you do and how you do it and your sovereignty. You always know what to do. Because I had really been dealing with this thing because I started this podcast. The whole reason of me starting this podcast was to have a place that could be a help to those that are just like me when my husband and I first started dating and got in a relationship and got married and started our family because there were not a lot of resources back then for us those 12 to 15 years ago there weren't a lot of things like there are now so I wanted to be able to have something especially for young adults and this is not just for young adults but I have a heart for those people who are young and who need the resources and who are really trying to just figure it out. And they just don't have the tools. They just don't have the knowledge. They just don't know what to do. And that is my heart's passion. And that was the reason why I started this platform. This is the reason why I started this podcast. So when they reached out to me, I said, this is what we're going to talk about. This is the perfect conversation. And you are the perfect person to have this conversation with. So I hope you guys enjoyed today's conversation as much as I did because you guys, it's a much needed conversation and the conversation was so good. And I may be a little biased. Don't get me wrong. I, I could be a little biased here, but the conversation was so authentic, so genuine, and it just flowed and she was so real and she did not hold back. She freely answered every question that I asked and she just left me wanting more. Every time I asked her something, it was, it was everything. It was everything and more. So I really hope you guys enjoyed today's conversation. I invited Ms. Dana Shea Williams on. She's a marriage and relationship coach and host of the Real Relationship Talk podcast. She serves as the online pastor at a multi-site and multi-ethnic church. 
Her mission is to help lead people into more fruitful relationships with the Lord and with each other. She is married to her husband, Sean, of 23 years, and they have four children together and a dog, and they live in Virginia Beach, Virginia. I hope you guys enjoy our conversation as much as I did, and I'm pretty sure that you guys will. As we get ready to dive into today's episode, I do want to let you know we do have a few surprises prepared for you as we get ready to head into the month of November. I get ready to celebrate my 34th birthday and I'm pretty freaking excited about it. So I do have a lot of surprises for you guys next month. So I hope you are excited about that. If not, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. If you remember last year, we did a lot of giveaways for the month of November for my birthday. If you're not already, remember to follow me on social media. TikTok and Facebook at Demo with Mo and on Instagram at Demo with Mo Podcast. But without further delay, let's dive into today's episode. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to a new episode of Demo with Mo. I am your host, Monique Simmons. And today I have a very special guest joining me. None other than the podcast host of Real Relationship Talk, Miss Dana Shea. She's a wife, mom, pastor, and marriage coach, but I want to give Dana Shea the opportunity to introduce herself. Dana Shea, if you don't mind, if you'll let my guests know a little bit more about you. Absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on the show today, Monique. I'm excited yes, to see what just where this conversation will go. Um, so I met my husband when I was about five years old. And uh, so we've been wow. married for 23 years, but I've literally known him my entire life almost. And uh, I live. Yeah, yeah. So we have four kids. We're in that Gen Z parenting, Gen Z phase. We've got two adult children, two young adults, and then two teenagers. And life is full and obviously it's busy and um, I just love what I do. I get the privilege of leading our online ministry at my church, which is a large, uh, pretty large multi-ethnic church in Virginia Beach. And then, so I do that by day and then by night, I'm a marriage (laughs) coach and podcast host. And so I just, I love what I do. I love conversations about marriage and relationships and sex and all the things. Oh, yeah. You're speaking my language. I love it. And you sound very busy. Very busy. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm trying to use the word productive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because you know, it's like, I, I feel like everybody is so busy nowadays and we can be busy doing the wrong things. And so I'm like, Lord, you order my day, you know, order yeah. my steps. Tell me what I'm supposed to be doing and what I'm not supposed to be doing. And so when I'm when I reframed it that way, then yeah. it kind of helps with like when I look at my schedule in the morning, I'm like, oh, my goodness. You know, yeah. then it's like, OK, this is going to be a very productive day today. I love it. I love that. I actually love that because we can say yes to the right things. And even though, like you said, we can be if we are saying yes to the right things, we can be productive instead of being busy. That's right. Yeah. Let me ask you this, because I listened to your podcast episode on hot and holy sex. And that's one of the things I wanted to talk to you about. And for you guys that are listening today, me and Dana Shea are going to be talking about let's talk about sex. And I think as a church, this conversation is not talked about as much as it should be. Um, But I think we're kind of going in the right direction of talking about it more. So let me ask you, growing up, 
what were your views or what were the views on sex in your home growing up? Did you guys talk about sex? Was it kind of a hush hush? Let's not talk about it. What were the views on sex? You know, Monique, I am so blessed to have a mother who was like no holds barred. Like my mother, she talked about everything. And she was a Bible believing woman of God. She loved the Lord. She knew the word. Um, I was just, I was on another uh, podcast the other day and I was telling the host how I would wake up in the morning and hear my mother praying for me. Like, so we grew up in a very um, Christ-centered home. Now it was not without dysfunction, (laughs) but that's a whole nother conversation for another day. (laughs) But uh, one thing I really appreciate about my mother is that she did talk about sex. She talked to us about her past. She had a very wild past, like before she came to the Lord in her own words, like she was like, I was a straight heathen, you know, she was out doing any and everything that you can imagine. And so she, she had three girls and she didn't want my sisters and I to make some of the same mistakes that she made. And so she told us everything. And I was a very inquisitive child. I'm still very inquisitive and curious, which hello podcast host, right? Like, so I I would ask questions of my mother that would make some people blush, but she never missed a beat. She never uh, was embarrassed. The only thing she didn't tell me was how many sexual partners she had. That was, she was like, you don't need to know that. But of course I would keep asking like every year, like this is going to be the year (laughs) that she's going to tell me. Uh, (laughs) Did you ever get that answer? No, never got the answer, but I could literally, and this is crazy because like I said, my husband and I have been, we've known each other for forever, but I started dating him when I was 14. Okay. And, you know, even though I was a Christian, I went to a, a wonderful uh, Bible-believing church, but hormones, right? I'm a teenager. Mm-hmm. I'm learning about myself, my body. I'm in this relationship with this guy that naturally, like I tell young adults and teenagers, you're going to want to have sex with your person. Mm -hmm. This is why you shouldn't be dating when you're 14 years old. (laughs) Um, And so, but I remember Monique, literally when I felt like, I think I want to have sex with him. I went to my mother, this Christian woman who knew, who I knew I would get in trouble. Like my mom wasn't like, all right, girl, let me tell my mom was like, you are not allowed. You know what I mean? Like she really wanted us to be virgins when we got married and maintain our sexual purity. But because she had established such a relationship of open and honest conversations, I could go to her and be like, mom, this is what I'm thinking. Knowing that I was going to get in trouble, you know, knowing that my mom was going to be like, you cannot see him again, you know? So I really appreciate that. I know that that's very unique. A lot of parents don't talk to their Mm -hmm. kids about sex. That just wasn't my story. I love that. Let me ask you this, because in in your response is what is turning the wheels of this in my mind, because this I wasn't even going to ask you this. Do you think it makes a difference? with our parents' background, with with them being open with us having this conversation, because usually the story is, especially for parents who grow up in the church, they usually don't talk to us about sex or the conversations about sex is don't have sex until you're married. But with your mom's background, with her kind of being, as you said, kind of out there with her, you know, experiencing all the things, she had to open conversations with you do you think the way that our parents was raised kind of dictates how they raise their children and if they're open with us about those conversations I think it absolutely can you know my mother was raised in a very very abusive home um, and she saw all the wrong things and her mother didn't sit and talk to her like she talked to me and my sisters you know her mother um, did a whole lot of things and said a whole lot of things that 
you would cringe, you know, mm-hmm. if 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 that's what you would hear someone saying to their child. But I do think because of my mom's past and because of how she was raised, you know, now thankfully she was saved and she had been redeemed. So her conversations were redeemed. The mm-hmm. way that she parented was redeemed. And so I think that that's the difference between a parent who is in Christ and a parent who is not. Doesn't mean that you can't be a good parent if you're not a Christian. You can, but it just means that your experiences haven't yet been redeemed. And yeah. so therefore, when you're trying to teach your children, you're going to come from maybe a hurt place, um, a bitter place, or a shameful place. So I I feel like a lot of times, and even for those who are in Christ, but they haven't had that part of their life redeemed, there's still that shame attached to it. Um, I was a teenage mom. My mom was a teenage mom. Her mom was a teenage mom. Mm -hmm. My mom didn't want that cycle to continue. But I think, again, we all have free will. And even though I knew I was raised in the church, I was raised in the Lord, I was raised in the faith, and I knew that sex outside of marriage was wrong, but because I didn't have the right boundaries around my life. And it wasn't anything that my mom did wrong. My mom did her part, but I took the wrong path. You know, I I decided in my own human will that this was something that I was going to do. But I will say that, you know, talking to a lot of my friends and just others and my, you know, kind of same uh, age demographic, most of my friends, their parents never talked to them about sex. And I think a lot of that is because they were ashamed. They were mm-hmm. ashamed of mistakes that they had made, or it's embarrassing. I mean, I have four kids and it's not like my favorite conversation to have with my children. It can be a little awkward because you're you're wondering how much do I share? A lot of parents, I think especially Christian parents, are afraid of oversharing. You know, yeah. what if I say something that now my child is going to want to go try that because I brought that up? And so, you know, it's delicate. And and this is why we need the Holy Spirit to give us discernment and wisdom to know what to share. I could talk about things with my 23-year-old, obviously, now that I'm not talking about with my 13-year-old, because not because I'm ashamed or embarrassed, but because he's just not ready for that information yet. Yeah. And so that's my very long answer (laughs) to your question. I do think that how our parents are raised can affect um, how they talk about sex to us if it's not redeemed. Got you. Okay. And the reason, um, well, one of the reasons I asked you that is because growing up, my mom was, my great-grandmother um, raised my mom. And my mom's mom was in her life, but my mom's mom was a nurse. She worked overnight. So for safety reasons, my great-grandmother raised my mom just to keep her safe. And for all those various reasons and she was raised in a church so they never talked about sex like legit my great-grandmother just never talked to her about sex so in return my mom didn't talk to me about sex and my mom had me at 19 and then I had my son at 19 but the difference between me and my mom um, and I, I'm like your mom. I went out there and did all of the things. I went out there and did all of the things because my mom didn't talk to me about it. You know, mm-hmm. I, she she just didn't. And I went out there and did all of the things. But the difference between me and my mom was I ended up giving my life to Christ at 21. And I had that redeemed life. I had that personal relationship with Christ. And now I openly talk to my children about sex. And that's the kind of relationship that we have. And I didn't have that with my mom. And don't get me wrong, like my children may have the same experience that you had. You know, your mom openly talks to you about sex, but you have free will. You one day make those decisions for yourself. But I think it does kind of make 
a difference when you have a parent who openly, you know, you can openly talk to them about it versus a parent who, you know, you can't talk to at all or you don't feel comfortable talking to them at all. Let me ask you this. What did you learn? Because you grew up in a church. Mm-hmm. What did you learn about sex from the church outside of your mom, but from the church specifically? What did you learn about sex from the church? You know, honestly, my church, I, I, you know, and I, I don't want to be, I don't want to be harsh because my church had a lot of really great qualities about it. But the overarching idea that I walked away from was sex is dirty mm-hmm. and save it for marriage. <laughs> so it's. So it's like, okay, yeah. it's bad and dirty, yeah. but keep that in your marriage. Yeah. So praise the Lord. I had a mother <laughs> who was like, no, 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 no. Like, you know, and it wasn't like, I mean, they taught, they focused so much. The church focused so much on the sin aspect of it, Yeah, you know, and the fall and, and all like the negatives. But I never, to my recollection, recall a time where they talked to us about the beauty of sex and the the purpose of sex and outside of childbearing, you know, yeah. the purpose of it and how beautiful it could be when we would, I don't know that we ever read Song of Solomon. It was kind of like, oh, let's mm-hmm. just skip over that book and let's just, y'all, mm-hmm. y'all can talk about that and, you know, read that when you're married. And so there was a huge deficit, you know, and a lot of us church kids were having sex, yes. but it was like, Nobody talked about it. Our leaders and stuff knew, but they wouldn't even, I don't know. It it was just like kind of like this thing that was just like kind of off limits. You know, they did a lot of talking about teen pregnancy, a lot. You know, we had the crisis pregnancy center come into our church and talk to us about statistics and STDs and unwanted pregnancies and all of that. But I don't recall after those kinds of conversations where a youth leader or a pastor would sit with us and say, you guys, sex is a beautiful thing that God created for your enjoyment inside the the boundaries of marriage. You know, and I think that had that conversation have happened, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say that none of us would have had sex, but I think we would have we would have had a healthier approach to sexuality. I agree. I agree 100 percent. How do you think that affected your view on sex back then as a teenager? Well, you know what? Honestly, Monique, I was thinking about this not too long ago. I was obsessed with like thoughts of sex, not like porn or the act of doing sex, but it Mm -hmm. was like, this is so crazy. This is like when I would meet like a couple, my first question was like, I wonder if they're having sex. Yeah. You know, like I would always (laughs) think about that. It was so weird. I'd be like, I wonder if they're having sex. And then like, I, I was just, um, it affected my view of my own sexuality outside of having sex with someone. We are mm-hmm. sexual beings. God created us to be sexual beings. And this is why it's important for parents to teach your children. Don't be ashamed of your body parts. Exactly. You know, understand that you have desires that are natural and it's normal. So like I have three sons and a daughter. And when my sons hit that puberty stage, you know, I, my, my youngest is 13 and he's, he's going through it now. But like we talk to them about like wet dreams. Now my mm-hmm. husband primarily leads the conversation with the boys but as their mother I still like we literally will be like when I mean this is how we talk to our kids we're like you know what if you see a pretty girl your penis might get hard Mm -hmm. that's okay 
Like we're not trying to make it because it's normal because when you don't tell your children that and then they're hearing from the church, this is bad, this is wrong, it's a sin. (sighs) They feel like they are sinning by having a sexual thought or by having a physiological reaction to something. And so I was, um, there was a huge push on modesty, which I'm not against modesty. Modesty is great, (laughs) but I was always self-conscious. I always thought, I don't want to be a stumbling block you know, to a man. And this is crazy. I'm like 13, 14 years old. I should thinking about this kind of stuff. Exactly. Exactly. And so it was just way off balance. And I do believe that we need to teach our teens about, or young adults, you know, we need, and children really about how to, you know, dress appropriately and how to have appropriate conversations with people of the opposite sex. But it can't always be skewed from the negative point of view because and I'm probably still unlearning some of that that I was taught as a young adult about my Man, own sexuality. This is so good because this was one of the things that we talked about in the, I told you in the group, um, in the podcast group that I have, we did the live last week on the Let's Talk About Sex. And it's a lot of married women that are still struggling with it, with their own self-image, with their own sexuality, with being comfortable in their own bodies, with their husbands, right. with their own husbands. And it's, it stems from a lot of that, from the purity culture and from having to be mindful uh, or careful about what they wear and how they look and how they make a man feel and all of these things that were was instilled in them. And a lot of it coming from ignorance because a lot of people didn't know and being taught the wrong things. And that stuff, what happens is we think once we get married, once we say I do, once we have sex with our husbands, that the switch now goes off and it doesn't. It mm-hmm. takes years for this, for this stuff to be unlearned. And a lot of it takes therapy and, and working through a lot of this stuff. And it's just, it's hard. It's mm-hmm. hard. And it takes conversations like this. That's why I'm so grateful for platforms like ours, for podcasts and for people speaking out, especially Christians speaking out because God created sex. This is our narrative. You know, we have to begin to take it back and teach positivity when it comes to sex, because I hate that when we talk about sex, when I say we, I don't mean me and you, but I mean, we as a church, when it's talked about, when sex is talked about, it's usually a negative light that shined on it. And I hate that because sex Mm -hmm. is beautiful and sex is something that God created for pleasure and for us to enjoy. And it's not some negative, bad, sinful thing, you know, so kudos to you. Mm -hmm. Kudos to you. you. Thank you. Yeah. No, I totally agree. When you got married, did your views on sex automatically change from all the things that you had learned and heard in church? Did it automatically change for you once you got married? No, you know, and I think because my husband and I were having sex before we got married, there was a lot of shame. Like, I love the Lord. I wasn't out here like, I don't care what the Bible says. I'm going to do what I want. (laughs) Like, I was convicted. I was at the altar every other week. Because yeah. I was so convicted. And and this is why, you know, Song of Solomon, it says, do not awaken love before it's time. Because once you awaken that beast, it is very difficult. You know, this is what we're yeah. teaching our kids. Like, listen, you can't miss what you never had. So <laughs> if you don't start, 
then you won't have to try to drag yourself out of this. But, you know, because I felt so much shame and conviction and guilt and all of those Mm -hmm. things before we got married, when we got married, it was very difficult to make the shift like, okay, now it's okay. Yeah. Like yesterday, it wasn't okay because we weren't married. But today, honeymoon night, this is a good thing. (laughs) It was it was it was rough. You know, it was rough. And I think you know, to, to kind of add another layer of nuance on that is we also had a child. My son was six weeks old when we got married. So I'm literally not like to be all like TMI, but like coming out of my six week postpartum Mm -hmm. period of like getting my body back together. And so hormonally, oh yeah. I'm like, hormones are all over the place. I'm nursing. So I've got all this extra oxytocin. I mean, it's just a mess and I'm 18 on top of this. So I'm immature, don't know nothing. You know, I'm I'm a new mom, a new wife. It was rough. It was a lot. Really rough, a lot. Exactly. Trying to get myself now in the framework of now I'm supposed to be a godly wife and sex is supposed to be a good thing when all I ever felt about sex was guilt, condemnation, shame. So I can't even tell you, Monique, how long it took me. I mean, it probably took me years. To like finally be okay with like, I'm not sinning when I have sex with my husband. Like, it, it's crazy. It's I know if someone's listening to this and they're not a Christian, they're probably like, what in the world? But when you've had that messaging implanted in you for so many years, it, it's not just going to go away because you put you get a ring on your finger and you say, I do. There's a lot of unraveling that comes with that. It really is. And when I say I can relate to everything you're saying, I can relate. My husband and I, when we got married, except the knowing him all my life, my husband and I started dating our senior year in high school. Um, We were saved. We gave our lives to Christ. Um, My husband was 20. I was 21. Um, We got married when we were 21. We had our son who was two. We were pregnant with our daughter. So I was pregnant. When we got married, so I was dealing with all of the hormones that you're talking about, and I was dealing with the guilt and the shame. We were living together. It was just a hot mess. So right. when I say I relate <laughs> to what you were saying, and then the 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 switching from now you are living right, doing what is pleasing unto God, it's still so much of trying to adjust to that. It's, it just does not, the switch does not, it doesn't just switch. Mm-hmm. It's so much mm-hmm. you're having to work through and relearn and adjust and to get your mind to realize you are doing right. You are doing what is pleasing unto God. It, it's a lot. It's mm-hmm. legit a lot. So I mm-hmm. understand and I relate to what you're saying 100 percent. OK, let me ask you this, because you're a mom before you said three boys and one girl, right? Right. Mm hmm. What have you done differently with your children when it comes to openly talking about sex? You know, to be honest, I don't think I'm as good as my mom. Like, <laughs> I, my mom was the bomb.com. Like, I don't know how she did it. First of all, my mom, um, she's a school teacher and okay. she loves teenagers. So she's taught middle school, high school all of my life. She just retired like five years ago, but she retires and then she like goes to find a way to keep working with teens. Like she loves That's so kids. cool. Oh, she's great. She's great. She's 71 years old and she like volunteered to work with the youth group at our church. She loves love kids. It. And so um I don't think I'm as good as her. Like I I I don't know how my mother raising three daughters 
had these conversations again, not like salacious, weird conversations, but just real conversations. And she did it in a way that was so like practical. It was godly. It, I don't know. I mean, she was just over here the other night and I I probably need to appreciate her more for this, but yeah. so what am I doing differently? I suck. You know? <laughs> no, you don't. No, no I don't, don't suck. But no, I think, what am I doing differently? One, I have three boys and a girl. She had all girls. Yeah. So my mother didn't, and she was a single mom too, for the majority of my life. So, okay. you know, praise God, she didn't have that extra layer. Like now I have to teach these boys when I don't have a man in the house. Mm-hmm. So I do have a husband who okay. can help. So I think that's maybe a difference that, you know, we have the two of us can talk to the to our kids about sex, whereas before it was just my mother. So I never heard as a child from the male perspective in a positive way. I would go listen to my male pastor talk about how horrible and dirty sex was. <laughs> but, you know, I never heard like a positive male perspective. And so I think that's a shift that we have in our household where my husband can even speak to my daughter about yeah. like how you're supposed to be treated in your relationships and what is the purpose of sex. And obviously he can have those conversations with my son. He could talk to them about things that they would probably not, like I could see my son squirming like when I'm like, oh Lord, mm-hmm. you know, you know, they're like, I don't want to have certain conversations with my mom and that's okay. That's my son. Yeah. And like, I don't think we should force it, but yeah. I do want my sons to know like, hey, I'm a woman. So if you have questions Right. You can ask me. You can ask me. There's no one thing that I learned from my mom is if you create a safe space for your children and they know that there is nothing off limits that they that they can't talk to. I mean, nothing off limits that they can't talk to a, with you, then they're going to want to talk to you. And not that they're not still going to talk to their little friends and hear crazy stuff, but at least there's going to be something to combat that crazy mm-hmm. influence. Yeah. Because they're like, hmm. That like when I was in school, for example, my um my friends would say things about sex, and I'd be like, "Nah, that ain't right," because right. my mother was telling me the truth at home, mm-hmm. and so um so I think maybe the only difference is like I said, you know, that we do have a, a man in our house, whereas I didn't have one. Um, and I think something that my mom didn't do, maybe, um, I don't think that she really allowed us to. Like she, my mother was very strong-willed and she knew the words So she like pumped the word in us. But like, if I had like a rebuttal to that, it wasn't like, well, let's explore that idea. It was like, no, like this is what the Bible says. And okay. that's just what it's going to be. Whereas okay. we're kind of allowing our kids to question their faith, you know, to, you. to say, well, I don't really understand. Like, what does that have to do with this? Or I don't believe that. Mm-hmm. You know, like if I were to say to the, to my mom, I don't believe that, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like she would have been like, what do you mean? Like, this is what the Bible says, you know? And, and so with our kids, we're like, okay, well, you don't believe that. Let's talk about that. Because yeah. I can understand that because listen, I'm a pastor and I still have doubt sometimes, you right. know? So it's not doubting that's the sin. I think it's hiding the doubt really um, yeah. and not bringing that into the open to say, Lord, I I have some real concerns about this scripture that I'm reading, or I don't, I don't see how that makes sense, or this seems to contradict something else in your word. So we've really tried to create an atmosphere where our kids can be open about their faith, even. I love that because God can handle that. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Do you think in 2022 in today's culture, we as a church do a better job of openly discussing 
providing support and resources to singles and to couples in regards to sex? I think we're doing better. And I think it's because of conversations that we're having like this, Monique. Mm -hmm. I think it's because, um, you know, I really believe that a lot of this has been initiated from like lay leaders and people outside the church. So now the church is like, oh, wait a minute, like kind of woke up, Mm -hmm. like, oh, maybe we should be doing this too. And so I do think we're better. Um, I've been in the church my entire life and and I went to, I've only been in three churches my whole life. So it's not like we did a whole lot of church shopping, but yeah. um, I can tell from like today, it's nothing for me to see churches doing sexual, you know, conversations or having marriage seminars where the focus is on sexual intimacy. And so I didn't really see that growing up. They would have marriage conferences, but it was all about like teaching wives how to submit to their husbands. <laughs> Damn shame. Yeah. You better say it. Yeah. yeah. That's all that it was. I was like, okay, is there anything else to marriage other than that? You know? So I think the church is doing a better job today. You better say it. It was so, it was so patriarchal. It was like, it was always more focused on the women, like what the women do. And I'm like, but what about, what about the husbands? What, what, what about the men? What, what? Mm We, it's a partnership. How can we make the marriage better? So I, I'm loving it. I'm really loving it. It's, don't get me wrong. There's so much as a church. We all, there's not just sex, not just marriage. We could be doing a lot better in a lot of areas, but I think we have gotten much better in this area. Like I see the growth because there was a point where we never talked about sex. Like we right. could, how dare you have these kind of conversations? And now, like you said, because we are now having these conversations outside of the four walls, the church, because we are the church, the body of believers, we're now having the conversations outside of the four walls. Now they are having, it's forcing the conversation inside of the four walls. So mm-hmm. I'm loving the direction that it is going in. Same. Okay. Because you are a pastor, what are you guys doing at your church as far as this specifically when it comes to sex and having these conversations and letting know, well, letting your congregation know that you guys support them in this area. Like, what are you guys doing at your church? Well, one of the things we lead, um, my husband and I, and we have a team that works with us. We um, do the EXO Marriage Conference every year. So it's Jimmy and Karen. I love EXO Marriage. You guys host it at your church? We host it at our church. Yep. And so, um, and we've been doing that for uh, several years, but that is one thing. And it's only once a year. So there's, there's been, um, and if, if anyone, if you're listening today and you've ever attended EXO, like they go there, they talk about sex. In many different, you know, conversations. It's not just like the one speaker comes up and talks about it. Um, I mean, they have partnered with the Naked Marriage Podcast, which is mm-hmm. some a podcast I recommend to people. I do. All about sex. David Ashley. Um, Yep. And so that's one of the things that we do. But then also we have a network of churches. So we belong, our church is the largest church in the network, but we have a network of churches of, um, you know, all over the country. And actually I just got back from a pastor's conference in Pennsylvania with our network. And one of the things that my senior pastor did was he asked me to come and speak to the network pastors and their wives about sexual intimacy and communication. So I had two talks that I did. And so we are being more intentional about speaking to leaders about not only 
how to teach your congregations, but then leaders, what's going on in your actual marriages? Because there are many pastors whose lives are jacked, like literally. And it's because they're spending so much time feeding, 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 but they're not taking the time to invest in themselves and in their own relationships. So we are really focused on like, okay, but what's going on with you? Like as a pastor, what is going on with you? And so- Yeah. So we do that. Um, I led a marriage uh, small group in our home for five years. We just stopped doing that group because I was, again, being more productive uh, with other things. Um, But we have several marriage small groups in our church where outside of a Sunday morning, you can get together with groups and talk Mm -hmm. about sex and marriage and and not just sex. They talk about other marital issues, but a big part of that is talking about sex and marriage. And so we're trying to, and, and we can do better. I mean, there's for sure, there's always little gaps and things that I'm seeing like, okay, we probably need to have a sermon series, you know, on the the beauty of sex. Because yeah. again, if, if not all the church is married, probably 51%, I think the last stat of our church is unmarried. Yeah. So you've got a lot of single people who mm-hmm. are showing up every week who need to be discipled in this area. If not, they are going to look at Nick Cannon and his soul, you know, it's what he's doing. And they're going to look at the Kardashians and they're mm-hmm. going to look at all of these other folks who are teaching them what sexuality is. And it breaks my heart when I see these girls, like these young girls in our church who I can tell like, oh, wow, like culture's feeding you. you you're being discipled by the culture. Mm-hmm. Whereas the church, we need to be on the front lines having these conversations. So in our person, in my church, in my local church, I think that we're doing a good job, but I do think that there's always more uh, that we could be doing to be more intentional. Dana Shay, this is good. This is so good. This is so good. Okay, let me ask you this. And you really just spoke on this. How, not, not your church specifically, because you guys are doing great things. Like. You're doing great things. How do you think we as a church, as a church as a whole, how do you think we could do better? You know, I think allowing people to be honest about where they are, because this is a thing. Shame is a very powerful thing. And that's what the enemy always that's what he's been doing from day one is trying to keep us ashamed. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, the first thing they did was they hid. They hid themselves from God and we've still been hiding all these years. And so I think if a church wants to know, like, what is the first thing that we can do? I think it's to have a conversation about sexual shame and the mistakes that people have made in their past. Yes, they've been forgiven. Like whoever is in Christ is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And one translation says are becoming new, right? So it's it's this um, this idea of teaching people that your sins are forgiven, but now we got to eradicate the shame part. We, because if people are still ashamed, they're not going to have honest conversations or conversations at all. And so then the cycle, the cycle is going to be, con, you know, continual. So that will be the first thing that I would recommend. And then two, just making space for people to have conversations, whether it's in small groups or whether you do a, a weekend seminar and you bring somebody in and you allow people. One of the things that we do with XO, we kind of deviate from the plan a little bit. Um, we extend the second day so that we can have a panel. Um, and the, on the panel, they are, um, people can submit questions anonymously. And so the, we tell them all that the, the day before we're like, okay, you know, go ahead and submit your questions so you can ask anything. Mm-hmm. And then we on the panel 
will answer your question and there's never a shameful response or we never look at a question and be like, oh my gosh, you know, why would somebody ever ask this? Because if you do that in church, they'll never, they'll never ask that question again. They'll never speak up again. So I think that churches need to just provide spaces like that. Conversations doesn't always have to be from the pulpit. Um, You can have other venues, you can have a seminar, you can do, you can link up with another ministry that, you know, if you see another church and they are doing great things, send your people there. Like a lot of times we try to reinvent the wheel and that's not necessary. You know, send your folks there. I tell people about the Naked Marriage podcast all the time because that's all they talk about is sex. I talk about sex on my show, but I also talk about other things. So why wouldn't I resource another ministry or another podcast or another organization who's doing that? So I think that churches, we need to learn how to share and stop being so territorial um, and think of that. Oh my gosh, well, I can't recommend that church or that because my people will leave. No, like the goal is to disciple folks so that they can be set free and healed and have productive, healthy relationships. You preaching now. <laughs> you, you preaching now. You are preaching now. Okay. If you could go back and talk to your teenage self, What did you need to hear? What would you say to her? Mm. Girl, you need to understand that what is the best idea for you today at 14, 15 years old, you are going to regret that at 25 years old. I think I would go back and I would really talk to my teenage self about self-worth. You know, um, my mom did a great job. She did the best job that she could, but I didn't have a father. And The truth of the matter is single mothers, you're amazing, but you're not a father. You'll never be able to father your children. And I had gaping father wounds that I did not know until I was an adult, until it started showing up in my marriage, until it started showing up in the way that I parented my children, that I still had all these these father wounds. And so I think if I could go back and tell my teenage self something, it would be you're worthy, you're valued, not because of, I didn't have like, I wasn't wilding. I mean, my husband was like my only sexual partner. Like I wasn't promiscuous before I got married. Um, But I was very performance driven. So I got my worth and value from what I could do. I'm an Enneagram three for people who are familiar with Enneagram. So I'm an achiever performer. That's what I do. Right. Um, And so, yeah. And so I would tell myself, you're, you're more than what you do. You're more than what you bring to the table. You as a human being, just like who you are as a person matters. And and I think that I that's the messaging that I needed so desperately to hear somebody tell me that, Dana, you are worthy just because of who God made you, not because of what you can do, not because of what this great Christian persona that you have. And it wasn't, I love the Lord. I genuinely love the Lord. But the persona part came in Again, with the performance thing, when I knew that I was not doing things that were pleasing to the Lord, then I learned how to act the part mm-hmm. instead of just somebody sitting with me and being like, let's help you to overcome this, this issue in your life. You know, my mother, I, I said earlier, I talked to my mom about like when I thought I wanted to start having sex. But then once I actually did, which was cl- two years later, I mean, it wasn't like an immediate thing. I waited. I, I, my goal was to wait until I got married. But I was in a long-term relationship with somebody who I loved. And like, let's be real. That is difficult to overcome. Mm -hmm. And so when I finally did start having sex, of course, I never told my mother because I didn't want her to be. I was already ashamed of myself. I didn't want my mom to be ashamed of me. Mm -hmm. I didn't want her to be disappointed in me. 
Um, now she obviously figured it out. Um, but I think I would tell my younger self that your behavior does not mean that God doesn't love you, that God is is angry at you. Does he want more for you? Absolutely. Um, I believe that God is disappointed when we falter and when we miss the mark, but not disappointed the way that a parent would be like, oh my God, how could you? I know God totally knows who we are as humans. Yes, he's he not does. like a he's not like shocked, you know, when we miss the mark. He's not like, oh my gosh, you know. But I do know that I struggled a lot as a teenager with man, just feelings of again, just unworthiness and shame. Like those were probably the two biggest strongholds in my life that I would have loved for someone to help me overcome. Yeah. That's beautiful. What advice would you offer newlyweds who may feel uncomfortable in the bedroom, who may carry shame, or who just may have no idea what they are doing? Mm, That's a great question. (laughs) Um, You know, I think, how do we overcome shame? We bring it into the light. And again, going back to Genesis 1, when or Genesis really 1 through 3, Genesis 3, after Adam and Eve fell, and they started feeling that shame, and so they hid themselves. God said, Adam, where are you? He brought them out into the light. He wanted them to say, listen, this is where I'm at. So I would say to newlyweds who are um, dealing with some of that, like, you're just going to have to jump into the, the waters of vulnerability with your spouse and say, listen, I'm struggling here. I don't want to be naked. You know, because like that was me. I don't want to be naked in front of my mm-hmm. husband. I'm like, turn the lights out. Turn the lights out. You know, <laughs> um, we don't yeah. need to, we don't need to see each other naked now, you know, yeah. Um, which is so crazy. Um, but I would say, like, be willing to have that vulnerable conversation. If you can't speak it, write it. You know, I coach my clients in writing a lot. You know, a lot of people, they are not going to have a face-to-face, I'm looking in your eyes conversation with their spouse, but they can write out their feelings and they can say, you know, I want to be more sexual, but I don't know how. Or I want to try new things, but I'm still dealing with old teaching of you can't do anything but missionary position. And <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like we got to be able to be honest and have those conversations with yes. each other, like with our spouses. Tell your spouse you don't know what you're doing if you don't know what you're doing. You know, tell your spouse, and this is for men too, because I think men have a lot of pressure that mm-hmm. they are somehow supposed to know everything and they're supposed to know how to please their wives. Listen, wives, you have to teach your husband what pleases you because yes, he don't do. know. Yes, Even if do. he's been sexually active with other folks in the past, what it please other folks won't please you. You're so you have to person. teach your husband, like literally you might have to guide his hand or if something is hurting, tell him like that hurts or mm-hmm. I don't like that or I don't want to do that or I do want to do this. Like, listen, the sexual, the conversations that we need to have concerning sex, this is where I think a lot of married couples struggle is that they're having sex, but then they're not talking about it. They're not giving each other feedback. They're not saying like, you know, like, you got to tell your spouse what you like and what you don't like. And what, you know, again, like what hurts, there's a lot of women, unfortunately, I, I don't know, have the stat in front of me, but there's a, a large percent of women who are dealing with pain. Like, mm-hmm. pain. Yes. and it's because they don't speak up. They don't tell their husband, like, I, that. Can, I can't do that position because that is painful for me. And maybe even going to the doctor, if you're experiencing 
um, just an absolute lack of desire, it might mm-hmm. be hormonal. Yeah. You know, it, it might be tied to something else. Or if, again, if you're experiencing pain, there might be something going on in your body that you need to have checked out. So yeah. I would say to a newlywed couple, first of all, take the pressure off, you know, because I think there's all these like ideals that we have like, oh, when I get married, it's, sex is going to be amazing and it's going to be this and it's going to be that. And then when you experience something that's different than that, again, here comes shame. Again. Shame, yeah. right? So one of the things that I do with my premarital my, my premarital um, clients is we always talk, we have a con- at least one conversation one week where we just talk about what are your expectations of sex after you get married? Even if you guys are having sex today, which you shouldn't be, but if you are, if you are, what are your expectations of one another? What's yeah. off limits? Have you got, yeah. and I'll tell them like, Hey, if y'all don't feel comfortable telling me all this stuff, at least y'all need to have a conversation about yes. what's off limits because there do need to be boundaries. And let's say a wife, let's say a wife is like, I don't want to perform oral sex. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's real. Right. Is that like a hard no forever or does there need to be a a follow-up conversation? Mm -hmm. Because I know when I was growing up, like that was the most shameful thing. Well, maybe anal sex is probably the most shameful thing. But then right underneath that was oral sex. Like Mm -hmm. Christians don't do that. (laughs) And then you're like, okay, well, well, where does that say that in the Bible? Actually, we need to talk about the Song of Solomon. Right. Um, there's some pretty uh obvious places where I think they were having oral sex there, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just think the biggest thing is having conversations with each other in your marriage as a newlywed. I agree. I love it. Dana Shay, I love it. Thank you. Thank you. And I think some of the best sex is before you even enter the bedroom is the conversations because piggybacking on what you said we have to speak up we have to be able to tell our partner what pleases us what we desire and then that's another thing I learned especially when I because I keep going back to the live because I learned so much from having open conversations with other couples because a lot of times we can think what's going on with in our marriage, in our relationship is what's going on with everyone. But you learn that's not the case. It's a lot of people who are having different issues and going through different things. And a lot of it stems from we're not having conversations. We're not talking about sex outside of our bedrooms. There are a lot Mm -hmm. of people who are not being pleased, who are dealing with pain, who don't have the desire for sex. It's just a lot. And we really just need to talk, be able to talk about it. There are a lot of wives who don't know what they desire in the bedroom because they don't know their own bodies. They're not right. even comfortable exploring their own bodies. Right. And then if I really began to talk about it, why am I not comfortable exploring my own bodies? What What is the shame there? And it's a lot of this stuff can really be fixed and worked if we begin to really have the conversations and really begin to dig deep there. It's so much a conversation mm-hmm. and communication can fix. It's, mm-hmm. it's just a lot there. It's a lot Absolutely. there. Absolutely. Okay. What advice, because we talked about the newlyweds, right. what advice would you offer a couple who have, who has maybe been married for a while, they've gotten complacent, maybe they're bored in the bedroom? Mm-hmm. maybe one or both partners want to spice it up a little bit. 
There's no romance. There's no spontaneity. It's just they're not enjoying their sex life anymore. What mm-hmm. advice do you give them? That's great. You know, and, and that's real. And I think that at some point I've been married for 23 years. So mm-hmm. it's not been like, woo the right. whole 23 years, you know, right. like you're going to go through stages and you're going to go through seasons where you're just like, mm, I'm not feeling this or mm-hmm. I'm just not interested or I'm bored or yeah. we've hit, we've, we've, we've hit a plateau or we're in a rut. Like that's real. And so I think the first thing is to normalize that mm-hmm. so that people don't feel like our ma- we have a bad marriage because we're right. going through this. Right. Um, the other thing is again, going back to conversations, like being open and honest about what you want. I yeah. talk to my clients all the time about needs and expectations, because when you have unmet expectations, it leads to disappointment and disappointment over time will lead to bitterness and resentment. Mm-hmm. So if you're not willing to have those conversations with each other, you're going to continue to be disappointment disappointed and you're going to continue to have unmet expectations. So my husband and I have conversations like, you know, the timing, right? I might be like, I'm good with like once or twice a week. He would literally have sex every day multiple times a day <laughs> if I let him, you know what I mean? And so like, we have to talk about that. Okay. It can't just be once a week. If he wants to have seven times a week, like we got to meet in the middle somewhere. Uh-huh, we got to, uh-huh. we got to compromise. And so a lot of our conversations that we have now are like, what do you need? Yeah, You know, and, and tell me, like, I'm asking him, like, what can I do more initiation is always, you know, most men, I think will ask their wives, I need you to initiate more. Mm -hmm. I want you to initiate more. And then for women, like finding out about like, I didn't know I had been married for probably 15 years before I realized how important sex was to my husband and why I was just like, man, my gosh, you know, he just wants to have sex all the time. But I didn't know why until I asked him like, dude, you know, like, why is this so important to you? And then he was able to share with me, like, I had no idea. I literally had no idea. And then I started reading marriage books and I was like, oh, okay. Well, I guess my husband's not this like weird freak, you know, like a lot of married men feel the same way. And so I think that for couples who are in a rut, first of all, you need to understand that it, it's normal, but you don't want to live there because then it can make you vulnerable to infidelity. It can make you vulnerable to resentment. It can make you vulnerable to having a sexless marriage. And so having those conversations with each other, trying new things, try new positions. If you don't like it, you never have to do it again, you know, yeah. but be willing to try new things, be willing to get outside of even just like you were saying, Monique, with with having conversations with other couples or listening to podcasts like this or uh, and, and I do recommend that people listen to things from a Christian perspective because mm-hmm. there, there's a lot of there's a lot of sleazy stuff out there that it's just not helpful. I yeah. never think you should introduce porn into your relationship or third parties. It is mm-hmm. never helpful. Um And so there are some things that I think that are off limits, but I think having conversations with each other, trying new things, giving each other grace, you know, because especially for those who are still in, you know, childbearing years and they're, they're having kids. Like, I don't know that I could say enough about the hormonal just craziness that happens in a woman's body after she gives birth. And especially if she's nursing, like you're not the same person. And so husbands have to be willing to be gracious with their wives that maybe she's not in the mood or maybe she wants to have sex all the time. Like every woman is different, right? And so 
if I could just kind of give one piece of advice, it would be to continue to push your relationship forward sexually. Don't get complacent. Don't get to a place. I don't care if you're 70 years old. If you're able (laughs) to have sex. I know that's right. Having it, you know, keep (laughs) having it and keep it spicy. Keep it fun. Um, Get a book on sex, you know, again, from a Christian perspective, my husband, uh, we had only been married for a couple years and I was still dealing with the whole shame thing. Like, this is bad. And I need to ask for forgiveness for having sex with my own husband. (laughs) But (laughs) he brought home this book of positions and it was very class. It was really classy. It wasn't like a porn book. They were actually like, um, like silhouettes of cartoon characters and there was no genitalia shown, but it yeah. was like all these different positions. And I was like, oh my God, like this is so great because I think we had like two positions, maybe three at that point, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so then I realized like, oh, we can do all it's of these. more like, stuff. <laughs> yes, yes. And then it made it like more enjoyable for me yeah. and I'm sure for him too. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Venture out, have fun, enjoy it, you know? I love your response. I absolutely love your response. And I felt the same way um, you did. It honestly took podcasts like this that helped me and therapy. No Mm. lie. That's what helped me because I, honestly, in the first years of our marriage, because we got married young, my parents didn't talk to me about sex. We got married at 21. We were new to Christianity. They were not talking about sex in church. So it's like we're we're going in blind. No one in my husband's family was married. We we legit, we just went in it blind. We didn't know. So a lot of the stuff we were just trying to figure out. So we didn't know. So the first years of our marriage, I'm like, what is wrong with him? I was like, like you said, like, is something wrong with my husband? Like, how can you have sex every day? Like, what is wrong with you? But I started listening to podcasts. I started reading books. Then we eventually got into marriage therapy and I just changed my perspective. It's nothing wrong with my husband. That's the way he communicates love to me. Like that's his way of showing love. His need for sex is the same way as my need for communication. Mm -hmm. That's how I communicate my way of love to him. That's his way of communicating love for me. If he went without wanting to talk to me, if he denied wanting to have communication with me, I would feel rejected. That's the same way he feels when I don't want to have sex with him. So when I changed my perspective and I began to research and learn and 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 change my mindset I'm like oh and I started wanting sex more than he wanted sex I'm Mm. like this is oh this is what this is and I just think if we really just kind of change our mindset change our perspective and really realize there is nothing wrong and it's not just husbands the statistics show the husbands are usually the person in the marriage with the higher sex drives but for some it's the wives who have the higher sex drive but it's nothing wrong with them we're all normal it's just Mm -hmm. always one in a relationship who has the higher sex drive but there's nothing wrong with them that's right there's nothing wrong with them this is just our their way of communicating their love to us and it's Mm -hmm. absolutely nothing wrong with that okay so let me ask you this what I usually do when I bring my guests on I have a private group on Facebook it's called dating engaged and married objectives I usually open up questions for them to ask my guests that I bring on And one of the questions that they want, well, they asked two questions. They wanted to ask you, now that you are older, 
Do you still have difficulties discussing sex with or around the church? Which you kind of really answered, but I'll let you follow up. And they also ask, how do you talk to your children about sex without them wanting to try it out? Like, I guess they're asking, like, how can they have conversations with their children about sex, but kind of treading lightly without making it seem like it's okay to have sex? but still having a conversation about sex. Yes. So let me answer the first question. The answer is no. Um, I I am perfectly fine talking about sex in the church, outside the church with whoever, (laughs) like there's no shame. There's no more... Um, fear, embarrassment, trepidation, none of that. Um, I I think it's such a worthy and important conversation. Um, And so, yes, I have definitely grown uh, much, much more um, from when I first got married. The second question is really a great question. And again, I think I was saying this earlier that I think it's one of the barriers to why parents don't talk to their kids about sex because they feel like if I talk about this, they are Mm -hmm. going to want to. Where actually studies show the exact opposite. What you don't talk about with your children, they will want to try. This is why parents, you know, you tell your kids, just say no to drugs, right? Like yeah. I grew up in the dare generation. So we had, you know, the the guy who would come to the school and uh, teach us about <laughs> dare. I don't even know. Mm-hmm. What, I think it's drug. What does dare stand for? Drug abuse, resistance, education or something like that. Um, but you don't you don't create the desire by talking about it. You mitigate the desire by talking right. about it. And so when you don't say anything at all, then that makes sex really mysterious. And like, then you're chill. Because listen, just because you're not talking about sex does not mean your children aren't going to still find out about it. Right. They're just not going to find about it, out about it from you. <laughs> so they're still, who are going to ask? They can't ask their parents. They're going to ask their friends. Their friends don't know anything more than they know. They're going to ask their cousin, their little older cousin. They're going to mm-hmm. go to people. So you're not creating the desire. You are actually shaping that desire. And so with what we do to our kids is we just assume that they are sexual beings because God made them that way, right? So I'm not going to wait for them to come to ask me about sex. They're not going to. Most kids are not <laughs> going to say, hey, mom, hey, dad, no. um, I'd like to talk about sex at dinner tonight. They're not going to do it, okay? <laughs> so you, as the parent, being full of the Holy Spirit with wisdom yeah. and discernment, need to be able to, first of all, you got to be present in your kids' lives. You yeah. got to be able to see, like my son, my 15-year-old son has a little girlfriend now girlfriend air quotes they're mostly Instagram or like you know what I mean like they have these relationships on Instagram and they're like this is my girlfriend you ain't going nowhere with that person but they're in a relationship okay so before he got the girlfriend I was already having conversations with him I can't wait until I find out that he's liking some girl that I'm like all right now this is what you need to do because then it becomes weird okay but if you from the time my children were little I started them this was like little, little, I started teaching them about their body parts, mm-hmm. right? So I'm giving them a bath. They're three, four years old. I'm giving them a bath. And and I didn't teach my kids like, like, uh, like words like wee wee or pee pee. <laughs> like, I'd be like, this is your penis. This is your vagina. Correct. This is your arm. This is your leg. I'm normalizing their sexual parts. Yeah. So when they're Um, my son would be like, mommy, my penis hurts. You know, sometimes he would say it out loud and you'd be like, oh my gosh, like there's people around. Okay. (laughs) You know, but like it was a normal, it was like, it was like his arm. It was like a normal part of his body. So that's where I started is teaching them about their body parts and then teaching them that you have power over your body. Nobody else, nobody else. 
not mom, not dad, not whoever. So even if, and I would tell my kids, if I'm giving you a bath and I'm making you ticklish in, yeah. in your private parts, or I'm I'm touching your penis by bathing you and you don't like it, you could tell mommy, no, you yeah. can hear, you could take the washcloth and you can do it yourself. Because the second thing I wanted to teach them after what their body parts were is that they have the right to say no to anybody over their body. I don't care yeah. who it is. We never force our kids to go give grandpa a hug or whatever it is, you know, yeah. because I realized this, you know, as a girl and I was, I had, I was molested as a adult, as a child and, yeah. um, and many people are statistics mm-hmm. show, and it's probably higher now, but at least older statistics, one in four women will be molested at some point in her life. And mm-hmm. so if Me God too. forbid, grandfather is molesting the child and then you're like, go sit on his lap and give him a hug. Exactly. Whoa. You know, so if my kids were ever weary around someone, wary around somebody, I would take note of that. Now, I wouldn't like you like blow it up into something more that it needed to be, but I was just mindful of those of those kinds of things. So then as they started getting older, seven, eight, nine years old, I started talking to them about puberty. Okay. You're because again, I don't know. I started my pe- period when I was 12. Um, so I figured my daughter would probably be around the same age, mm-hmm. but I didn't wait until she was 12. I started right. having these conversations with her when she was like nine, 10. And I said, listen, you're growing up, you're getting taller, you know, your um your interests are starting to change, your body is gonna start to change. And so you're gonna start to grow breasts. You see how mom has breasts, you're gonna mm-hmm. get breasts too, you know. Um, your uh my sons, you know you might wake up and you in the middle of the night and you might think that you peed on yourself. You didn't mm-hmm. pee on yourself. You had a wet dream. What a wet dream is. And I like, I talked to them about that, you know? And then, it. so it's, 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 so what I'm trying to say, Monique, is it, it's not like when they turn 15, we sat down and had the sex talk and we've never right. talked about any of this stuff before. My kids are so used to these conversations because we've been having them since they were little, just at different stages. And, for what they can handle. So now that my son is 15, I would be stupid to think my son is not thinking about having sex. My 13 year old, because again, porn, listen, this is a whole, I could, I could go off on this whole, how porn has infiltrated our children and statistics show that the, the first look is, is nine years old. So on average, a child male and female have seen porn on average, by the time they're nine years old, if not younger, why? Because of these <laughs> things here, because of cell yeah. phones, right? Readily available. That's right. So we have to be proactive as parents. We have to teach our children. Listen, you might be watching your little video game, and you might see an ad that pops up yep. of a naked man and a woman. This is how I'll explain it to a nine-year-old. You might be on your video game, and you might see a, a, a ad pop up of a naked man and a naked woman. That is something that you need to come to me and dad about. You're not in any trouble, but we just need to make sure that you can play your video games without having to see that Mm -hmm. on on your phone. That's it. That's all they need probably at nine, 10 years old. And then as they get older, then you can start to advance the conversation a little bit. But um, as my kids now, again, I have adult, young adult kids, a 23 and a 20 year old, and we go there, you know. We, we talk real because I know what this generation is doing. I know what my children are prone to do. And so I think as parents, if if you have this idea, like, now what I wouldn't say is I wouldn't give them imagery. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I wouldn't create a scene for them in their mind that maybe yeah. they've never thought about. Um, so be careful of that. 
But don't think that just because you're talking to your children about sex, they're going to go, they're going to want to go out and have it. They're not, you know, but they are curious and you shouldn't um, shame them for their curiosity. I thank my kids whenever they ask me any question that I know might have taken a little bit more um, courage for them to ask. I'm like, you know what? I really appreciate you asking me that. Let's talk about that. Yeah. That was a great answer. That helped me. And that's not even my question. Because <laughs> <laughs> I have young people that I'm raising up myself. So you helped me. This is the last question. And I just want to tell you, um, even before I get into this, thank you so much for coming today. Like, I really enjoyed our conversation and how it just flowed so authentically. I enjoyed you. Like, I legit enjoyed you a lot. And I appreciate you just being vulnerable and open and sharing. So, like, you didn't hold back at all. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate you for that. I really appreciate you you for that. Thank you. Okay. As we wrap up, do you have any last thoughts on how important it is that we openly talk about sex as the church? Since we know that God is the one who created it and we should be able to take our narrative back. And also, um, when you respond to that, if you can let my audience know how they can follow you on social media and also how how they can purchase your journal, because I did see your journal, if you can let them know how they can purchase that as well. Absolutely. I cannot stress the importance of churches needing to disciple people in the area of sexuality. And that's really how I phrase it. It is a discipleship. um, It is a discipleship issue. Just like we know that we are um, physical, we are spiritual, we are emotional, and we are sexual. We're intellectual as, as well. So most churches, they have no problem teaching, obviously, the spiritual part. They know that we've got to raise people up to be spirit-filled men and women of God, right? Then a lot of churches nowadays are starting to get more into like emotional health. You have people mm-hmm. like Dr. Caroline Leaf and others who are talking about this, um, the importance of the brain and, um, you know, how our thoughts actually can change our brain patterns and all of that. So they're teaching people about how to be emotionally healthy, churches are. Then a lot of churches are teaching people how to be uh, physically healthy. We're having um, people talk about like what to eat, how to care for the body. The body is a temple of God and all of those mm-hmm. things. Churches most often push books and resources on people because they know that intellectually that matters, that you have to be always growing and learning and reading and all of that. But then when we get to the sexual part, they're like, okay, we're not going to say nothing about that. So I think that churches are doing a huge disservice to folks because it is a discipleship issue. So just as we are emotional, uh, physical, intellectual, spiritual beings, we are also sexual beings. And that part needs to be discipled probably more importantly than any of the others other than spiritually. And so I would recommend if there's a pastor or whoever, someone in your church or a church congregant who's listening, it's like, okay, what can I do as maybe someone in my church? Maybe I'm not a pastor. I'm not a leader. What can I do? Go to your pastors, go to your leadership and tell them that, hey, pastor, we appreciate all the things that you do for us. We love the fact that you you have a heart to disciple us. I'm noticing, though, that we're not being discipled in the area of our sexuality, and I would love to see what we can do about that. There you yeah. go. Put that in, in on your pastor's radar. 
Um, and so that would be my my advice there. And, you know, I would I love these conversations, Monique. Thank you again for having me here. This has been such a great mm-hmm. conversation. Um, if people want to find me, the easiest place, I'm on Instagram at Mrs. Dana Shea. That's M-R-S-D-A-N-A-C-H-E. Um, they can also find the Real Relationship Talk podcast on Instagram. And that's just at Real Relationship Talk. That's the place where I hang out the most. I'm on Facebook and Twitter and all the places, but I hang out most um, on uh, Instagram and and YouTube. They can just search, just Google Real Relationship Talk and they can find me there. Um, I did. I'm actually in the, the, uh, I don't know when this episode will air, but uh, currently, presently, I am doing a Love Is series on my podcast based on 1 Corinthians 13. So we're breaking down what is love. And so as a part of that, I created this Love Is workbook for people, because just like we have not really been discipled well in the area of sex, we've really not been taught how to love either. It's just like, love your neighbor. Okay. What does that look like? (laughs) You know, how do I love? And then we're not taught how to love our spouses, you know? And so I wanted to do this whole series on literally breaking down from first Corinthians. What does it mean for love to be patient? How does patience show up in a marriage? What does it mean for love not to be jealous? Is jealous a bad thing? Is it evil? Is it wrong all the time? What does that look like? So to go along with that, I created the Love Is Workbook. It's really pretty. Like, I just, I'm so proud of it because I'm like, it's just so pretty. Like, I just want to <laughs> look at it. Um, but it's also, there's some affirmations, meditations, um, some discussion questions in there. Really, really good. It's really short. It's only 26, uh, 24 pages, I think. Um, and so people can find that at realrelationshiptalk.com forward slash love is, um, and they can get a copy of the workbook there. Again, thank you so much for joining me today. I appreciate you. I have thoroughly enjoyed you. You have blessed me and gave me a lot of stuff that I'm going to be working on myself. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, To my guests, thank you guys so much for joining me on today. I hope you guys have enjoyed Miss Dana Shea as much as I have enjoyed her. Go follow her on Instagram. Go check out her podcast. Make sure you follow her and rate her episodes. Go um, check out that podcast and make sure um, that you follow her so you can get notifications when her new episodes come out. But again, I hope you guys have enjoyed and I will catch you guys next week. Remember, I love you, but God loves you so much more. Bye, guys. I hope you guys have enjoyed. Follow me on Facebook at Demo with Mo. If you have any questions you would like answered here live on my podcast, email them to me at Demo with Mo at gmail.com. That's D-E-M-O-W-I-T-H-M-O at gmail.com.